Hey there, Braves fans. Welcome back to another edition of State of the Braves. I'm your host, George McNair. Really good to be back with you guys, despite the fact that the Braves fell to the New York Mets last night in a matchup of the Maxes. Max Scherzer besting Max Freed. Unfortunately, uh, Scherzer was nearly unhittable, uh, minus an Austin Riley home run. Uh, and Max Freed clearly did not have his best stuff last night. Probably his worst start since uh, early April uh, when he kind of struggled out of the gate just a little bit in his first two starts. Uh, so kind of unfortunate. Uh, you, you were hoping for the reverse to happen last night, but you get that game out of the way. Maybe the Braves can take the next two from the Mets. We'll have to see about that. But uh, quite a bit has happened over the last week that I want to dive into, uh, particularly on the trade front. So weren't expecting the Braves to make some early moves uh, as the trade deadline is still uh, you know, a solid three or four weeks away, but uh, wanted to get into these and maybe some of the, the impacts that they might have uh, moving forward on the Braves and their organization. So the first was that the Braves acquired second baseman Robinson Cano from San Diego for cash considerations. Uh, Cano has had quite an interesting and long career. Uh, if you know, he uh, kind of burst on the scene with the Yankees for some number of years, signed a massive free agent contract with Seattle, um, that went okay for the first few years. Then kind of his production fell off the table, was traded uh, to the Mets, uh, along with Edwin Diaz, who uh, closed the game for the Mets last night and is a very good closer, um, and then was eventually uh, released by the Mets this season, latched on with San Diego very briefly. Uh, didn't get a whole lot of a shot at the big league level for San Diego and then uh, has spent the last month or so at AAA. Actually, has hit really well at AAA since going down there. Cano is 39 years old, so he has a long career under his belt, uh, a lot of uh, success. Uh, also, I think some PED suspensions, so not necessarily um, you know, a, a spotless career um, in some ways, uh, but certainly uh, has had a lot of success during that career. So we'll have to see what he can give the Braves, but the early returns were very good. Uh, he had two hits in his first game as a Brave, two singles. Uh, I think he came into um, yesterday's game. Uh, he was hitless in like 22, his 22 previous at-bats with San Diego, so you can understand why they sent him down to AAA. But, you know, you, you do give him credit for hanging in there, going down to AAA and uh, bringing, uh, you know, coming back. Uh, with a big league club. So the the Braves are hoping that they get something out of him. You know, he, he fills a couple of needs. Uh, Orlando Arcia has, has cooled down significantly since uh, playing really well early in the year for the Braves. Still playing really good defense, and I think if a lefty is out there, you might still see Arcia some. But uh, it makes some sense. The Braves uh, are really kind of, uh, you know, lacking in some, some left-hand uh, hitting and particularly uh, off the bench. Uh, and so when you can get a lefty uh, second baseman uh, and, uh, you know, maybe with a little bit of power left in his bat, it does make some sense. It also makes sense in the fact that Cano is, is basically um, as close to free as you can get. The, the Braves only have to pay him a minimum salary. Uh, he's making an amazing uh, $24 million this year. Um, you know, again, this is one of those uh, – cautionary tales of, of paying a guy who's going to be 39, $24 million, um, uh, eventually guy's age. And so uh, it is kind of hilarious, actually, that the, you know, Cano is playing against the Mets who are paying him 20 million of that 24 million. 
San Diego, I think is, or maybe the Mariners are picking up the rest. Um, so, you know, anything that, that Cano can do for the Braves, especially against the Mets is just cake. And, uh, you know, getting, picking up two singles in which the Braves only had five hits last night. So pretty good showing from Cano. It really is the ultimate low cost, nothing to lose move for the Braves. If Cano doesn't work out, um, you know, uh, if, if eventually, uh, they release him, it's kind of no harm, no foul. Um, Ozzy hopefully will be coming back at some point this season. Uh, you still have Arcia there who, you know, is, is not, uh, terrible. Um, again, offensively wasn't giving you a lot for the last few weeks. Uh, but you know, you still feel good about him generally on the team. Um, and Cano, you know, if he hits a hot streak and, uh, and gives you a lot, then it's just another big boost that you didn't have otherwise. Um, one corresponding move with, uh, with Cano coming into the team is, uh, Phil Gosselin was DFA designated for assignment. So we'll see if another team ends up picking him up or if he can slide back down into AAA. I think the Braves generally like Gosselin just as a kind of emergency guy off the bench if you need him. Uh, so we'll see what happens with him. All right. So that was, that was one move that the Braves made. And then, um, they made another one and this one was a little splashier just in terms of if you follow the Braves and their prospects, uh, their minor league system, the Braves traded, uh, maybe their t now top prospect. Now that Michael Harris has graduated, uh, they trade drew waters along with two other prospects, Andrew Hoffman and CJ Alexander Hoffman's a pitcher. Alexander's a third baseman traded all three of those guys to the Kansas city Royals for the 35th pick in the upcoming draft. Uh, now this is a pretty rare type of trade for baseball in that it's really hard to trade uh, baseball draft picks. It's not like the NBA or the NFL. Um, there's far more stipulations. Most draft picks cannot be traded, but this is a sandwich pick between the, uh, the first and second rounds. Um, you uh, Like a compensation pick, you can also trade a few of these picks exist between the second and third rounds. Um, and so the Braves are able to pick up this extra, this extra pick from Kansas city. Uh, basically, basically what this means is the Braves get this pick, which comes along with $2.2 .2 million. Um, that money, uh, can be spread over basically any of the picks that the Braves take, uh, in the draft. So it gives them a lot more flexibility along with some more money to spend. It just means that they might be able to go out and get a few more, uh, high end guys, high ceiling guys, especially with some, some lower picks. So it does give them a possibility of replenishing, uh, their farm system, especially on, you know, the lower levels. I think, uh, this, this trade tells you a few things. Uh, the Braves had probably run out of some patience with Drew Waters. Um, and you know, he, he was not playing well. He had not played well for the last two or three seasons this year. He was hitting 246 with a 305 on base percentage and under a 400 slugging percentage. So was not hitting the ball hard, even when he was hitting it. Uh, and you know, this guy had, it's, it's unfortunate because, you know, he was a second round pick. He had a lot of, uh, potential, uh, guy who can play center field, who, who is a switch hitter, who can show you some power. Uh, I actually got to see him as a 19 year old at, uh, uh, the Danville Braves, when they existed, I, I saw him and, and William Contreras play together, which was a really cool experience um, several years ago. I guess that would have been four years ago now. 
and he flashed a lot of skill. I mean, you could even tell it then this guy had a lot of ability. He just has not put it together for the Braves, so maybe he will do so with the Royals. But again, I think this tells you that the Braves had kind of run their course with, with Waters, but also the fact that Michael Harris has emerged uh, just gives you uh, a sense that the Braves don't need another center field, center field option uh, in the foreseeable future. I think they, they think they've got their guy. And that's not to say that Michael Harris isn't going to hit some struggles and that sort of thing. We're going to talk more about Harris uh, in this podcast, but, um, but nonetheless, they have to feel pretty good about where they are in, in their outfield with Harris and Acuna as the cornerstones for years to come. Uh, so they kind of shift gears and, uh, you know, they are weak. The Braves are weak generally in the farm system right now, and especially the lower levels, there's not much there. So this draft has a real opportunity to feed the farm system and just getting another, uh, big, you know, early pick, uh, is, is pretty, pretty helpful for them to do. So I'm, I'm generally, uh, even though I'm kind of sad to see waters go along with Hoffman, particularly who was another pretty solid pitching prospect down there. Uh, I think it is going to benefit them in the long run. And uh, I'm, I'm really curious to see what the Braves end up doing with that pick and with the draft in general. I think Anthopolis probably has a pretty, pretty good plan in, pe in place of what's, uh, what they're going to do for the draft. So it should be interesting to see. All right, well, let's move on there. I do want to talk a little bit about the All-Stars that were um, announced a couple days ago. The Braves end up getting five all-star selections, which is really cool. I do think they had two guys who were snubbed. It's hard to, on one end, it's hard to complain when, when your team has five all-stars selected. But I, I do think we had two more guys who were very much deserving, particularly one guy uh, that I want to talk about. But first, let's talk about the guys selected. Dansby Swanson, William Contreras, Travis Darno, and Max Freed will join Ronald Acuna, uh, who was already named as a starter. Uh, they will all go to L.A. for the All-Star game. Uh, really cool for all those guys. Um, all the guys who were named as reserves, it, it is their first All-Star selection. So just that has to be really special for all of them. Uh, and it's really neat uh, for the Braves that both of their catchers uh, are going to be on the All-Star team. It has been, I think I heard from the Braves broadcast, something like 50-plus years uh, when the Yankees had Yogi Berra and their other catcher, who I can't remember his name, uh, also made the all-star team together. So this just does not happen. Uh, the Braves have done a great job over the years, as I would say over the last decade, of kind of pairing catchers together. And, uh, you know, Manny Pena was supposed to be the backup this year. He goes down, con uh, Contreras steps in, has been better than I think any anybody could have imagined. So really cool for him. Also really cool that he's going to get to play uh, in an all-star game and starting an all-star game alongside his brother, um, Wilson Contreras. So just really awesome stuff there from him. And we'll hope, uh, hope that they have some success in the game. You know, it's always also nice when you see some Braves do some things in the game. So looking forward to that. Now my two guys who I'd say were absolutely all-star snubs, uh, were Austin Riley, uh, and Kyle Wright. And, uh, particularly, I mean, I think Wright, I'm going to go into Wright a little bit, but I think Riley particularly has a case of feeling pretty, pretty snub. So Riley is at a 3.3 wins above replacement right now, which is tied for 11th uh, in the National League, 11th total. So that's not just position players. There's a couple of pitchers 
over top of him too. So you think, well, let's see how many how many guys are on the roster that that uh, aren't doing as well as him just in terms of that measure. Uh, on top of that, he hit his 24th home run last night against Scherzer. It was the Braves' only run. Uh, that is second. Uh, he stands alone in second place in the National League in home runs. Uh, Schwarber for the Phillies is the only guy ahead of him at 26 home runs in the National League. Riley also was just player of the week in the National League. Uh, so, you know, he's doing things uh, and doing things really well. Now, what I will say is the two guys who were selected in front of him uh, at third base for the National League, uh, they deserve to be there, certainly, and they probably deserve to be there ahead of Riley. You have Arenado, who's at a 4.5 wins above replacement, um, and Machado at a 4.1 wins above replacement. The one thing that kind of separates them um, is their their def defensive value. I think uh, Riley, in many ways, might even be a better offensive player than those two, uh, particularly it shows up in the power department. Uh, Arenado has 17 home runs this year. Machado, even though he's missed some games, has 14 home runs. Uh, these guys are both... Uh, especially Arenado, uh, but really both of them, perennial gold glove uh, players. Uh, so I think Riley, I think Riley's a solid defensive third baseman. I think the metrics tend to view him as kind of a, a below average third baseman. I don't know why that is, but I think that tends to hurt his wins above replacement number a little bit. But offensively, uh, Riley has just been absolutely awesome. And uh, so I, I would expect if anyone drops out uh, on a position player, um, standpoint, I think Riley should absolutely be the, the first guy chosen. I think he, he was hurt just by the idea of, you know, you have to have a backup second baseman specifically. So Jeff McNeil, who has nowhere near the numbers of an Austin Riley was selected. Um, there's strangely, I think four first basemen on the national league, um, roster. So that's a little weird. One reason for that is because Albert Pujols was named, as kind of the legacy pick for the National League. I don't have a problem with that. But um, but nonetheless, I'm really hoping that Riley uh, eventually finds his way on the team. Uh, not hoping for an injury for anybody, but sometimes a couple people will drop out and choose not to go. So hopefully that will happen. Um, as far as Kyle Wright goes, I think he's also very deserving. Uh, he has a 3.0 wins above replacement for the year, which is seventh among um, among National League pitchers. Uh, he has a 2.97 ERA, 1.16 WHIP, uh, and this is an 103 innings pitched. Uh, you know, so you look at a couple guys, particularly one guy that I have a little bit of an issue with. Clayton Kershaw uh, gets his ninth selection. Uh, he only has a 1.9 wins above replacement uh, in 63 innings pitched. So way fewer innings. Uh, I mean, he's pitched very well in those innings, but I just feel like um, you know Wright has done it. Uh, for you know, 40 more innings basically, uh, and done it more consistently than Kershaw. Uh, of course, Kershaw has a lot of name cachet. He is a star. It is LA, so I I get it why he's on the team. It just kind of annoys me a little bit. I mean, you could make a case that Spencer Strider should be on the team ahead of a Clayton Kershaw. Strider has a one uh, a 2.1 wins above replacement in 65 innings. So very similar, but even just a little bit better than Kershaw during that time. So. Anyways, I get it, but a little annoying. Also, you know, I think Wright um, and probably Riley as well uh, fall into that trap of, you know, because of the rule that every team has to have one all-star selected, um, you know, there are fewer, really fewer spots 
sometimes for more deserving guys. So like Arizona, for instance, their representative is Joe uh, Manipley. I'm not even sure how to say that name. Uh, He has a 1.1 wins above replacement as a reliever. I mean, he's been very good, but just, you know, 37 innings pitched. You know, so you have guys like that showing up on the roster that you just, it's like, well, I mean, I'm happy for the guy, but you feel like your guy maybe deserves a little bit more. Nonetheless, we'll see how it all plays out. The only thing that I'm not uh, as upset about with Wright are there are probably even a couple guys ahead of him that might be more deserving, if I'm trying to be fair about this. Um, even two Phillies, uh, Zach Wheeler and Nolan, uh, uh, sorry, Nola, Aaron Nola for the Phillies, uh, probably also both deserving of a spot. So uh, I kind of doubt that Wright's going to make it in the end because of those guys too. I could see one of them sliding in, but I'm really hopeful that Riley can can find a spot on the team. Uh, nonetheless, it'll be a great time. Ronald Acuna will be in the home run derby, so that should be really fun to see. Um, and uh, I'll definitely be tuning in. I like the All-Star game, um, you know, particularly the game. I, you know, the home run derby to me has become a little bit of it's not boring, but you know it's it's not as special as it used to be. Um, I do appreciate that, unlike the NBA and the dunk contest, at least the stars still come out and, and participate. All right, well, let's go on to a couple other things I want to talk about. You know, when when we look at how good the Braves have been over the last six weeks or so, uh, really pulling themselves uh, in back into the National League East race, um, and you know, here they are. Uh, going against the Mets right now, but uh, you you could look at a, a number of guys who've really played major roles uh, in this effort. But the two guys that I want to really highlight right now are the two rookies. That's Michael Harris and Spencer Strider, and just how good they've been. Um, Michael Harris is coming off of just two games ago, just a absolutely dominant performance at the Nationals when he went four for four with a double and a home run, four RBIs. Um, just, uh, you know, when the more you watch Michael Harris, the more you see that he's really a true five-tool player. And, you know, what we heard about, at least what I heard about a lot uh, before he came up, was his hitting ability, uh, which is certainly really important. <laughs> I think any uh, any big league top prospect, you want to be able to see that they can hit the ball consistently with some authority. And he's certainly been doing that. But you didn't know how good he was going to be in the field as well. Uh, and that's been really exciting to see. I would not be shocked, quite honestly, if he wins the Gold Glove for center field this year. That's how good he's been defensively. Um, I got to see uh, one game that the Braves played against the Nationals. Um, you know, you guys, I'm I'm in the Nationals territory, so their games get blacked out. So I kind of have to be um, have to be uh, you know figure it out of how how to get to see a game. But anyways, I got to see one. The Nationals broadcast, by the way, has to be the worst in baseball. Uh, they're, they never talk about anything good that the, the opponent does. Um, and they also never talk about anything negative that the Nationals do, which there's a lot of that, too. So it's just very blah. And, you know, you I have my own issues with sometimes with the Braves broadcast and the broadcast team. I generally like them, but, uh, you know, they have their weak spots. But I really, after I watch the Nationals broadcast, I come to appreciate the Braves a lot. I think the Braves are very fair to their opponents. Um, They show you the entire game. They show you every highlight. Um, The Nationals don't do that. Uh, One example of that was Michael Harris made a throw to keep a guy at third base, um, kind of from mid-center field. 
and the Nationals didn't even show the entire throw make it to the catcher. Uh, but they did mention that the throw came in at 98 miles an hour. Um, but then they never showed a replay. They never show, showed you the throw at all. So I never got to actually see it, but they did report that. And, you know, that's just one example of Michael Harris and his overall baseball abilities are really off the charts. Uh, he was going to be a pitching. He was a pitching prospect for most every other team. The Braves took him as obviously a center fielder and the rest is history. And we're glad that, he, that they did that. But yeah, the guy has a cannon. Uh, he consistently shows tremendous break and range in the outfield. Uh, he's currently hitting 294, 325 on base, which, you know, that's maybe the one of the weaker points of his game early on. Um, but a 510 slugging percentage is great. Um, seven home runs, 24 RBIs, and six stolen bases in only 41 games. Uh, he has a 1.5 wins above replacement in 41 games, which is basically a six and a half wins above replacement for an entire season if you you know if you spread that out so uh that is star level uh from a rookie you know and all this to say we've seen plenty of rookies in baseball they show up you can think of austin riley they show up they kind of steal the show for about two months the league catches up with them and they struggle and i would not be shocked if that happens with michael harris um but i do think he has some of the same qualities that Austin Riley has that I really appreciate from him. Hard worker, uh, humility, um, and, you know, just kind of that guy that shows up to the field every day, not taking things for granted. And um, I've gotten that kind of vibe from Harris, uh, a lot of reports about his his character. And uh, so I'm, I'm really looking for good things to continue for him. And we'll see. We'll see if the the league does adjust to him one one thing that i think is really unique uh, of him that is going to benefit him and going to make the, it harder for the league to adjust is his, his ability to go the other way especially go the other way with authority most of his home runs have been kind of up and away pitches that you would not expect most lefties to hit out of the ballpark and he does and um you know those pitchers are kind of scratching their heads of like how did he hit that ball out and he did um you know, and he's shown tremendous power. It's not like barely getting over the fence. It's it's 420 to 440 uh, kind of power uh, with with huge exit velocities too. Um, you know, a couple things you could look to that that do concern you a little bit with Harris. 22% K rate isn't great. It's not it's not super bad. Uh, it's something that's maybe a little higher than you'd like. Um, the probably his worst number is his walk rate. Only about three percent walk rate. He's just not walking at all. He's pretty aggressive at the plate right now. Now, that could be something the Braves are telling him to do. Uh, as the nine-hole hitter, you know, and certainly he's showing a lot of, you know, hard-hit balls and, and a lot of success. So I could see that that adjusting naturally over time anyways, uh, but it's probably something to keep in mind. Uh, but, you know, you look at some of his advanced stats, um, they're pretty impressive. So here are a couple, just for instance. Uh, he's in the 88th percentile in all Major League Baseball since he's come up in exit velocity. Uh, he's 93rd percentile in sprint speed uh, in the outfield, and he's 95th percentile in outfielder jump. Uh, so, you know, you put those two things, those last two uh, things together, you talk about an elite center fielder, that's exactly what he is. Um, and I just, once I saw that, number one, I was kind of 
even though I know he's been really good in the outfield, I was surprised at how good those numbers were. So I just had a thought of, you know, when Christian Pache was coming up for the Braves, all you ever heard about was how elite he was as a center fielder. So I thought I'd go to his page and see what his numbers were like, just in comparison to Harris. Pache is a uh, 83% sprint speed and a 57% um, percentile in outfielder jump. So nowhere close to Harris. And it's just funny, you know, you, you hear certain – uh, certain scouting reports on players. And, you know, Pache was just always like he's going to be, as soon as he comes up, he'll be the best defensive center fielder um, in the game. You didn't hear that about Harris, who's in the same system as Pache, and yet Harris comes up, and what is he doing? He is showing up, and uh, it's it's just pretty cool to watch uh, him do what he's doing. If he was doing that defensively and wasn't giving you much offensively, you'd still say, well, that was a good thing to, to bring him up. Or if he wasn't quite as good defensively, but he was doing what he's doing offensively, you say, well, that's good enough. So he's just been better um, than you could have imagined on both sides of the ball. Michael Harris quickly becoming one of my favorite Braves. I hope um, – I wouldn't be shocked if there's some struggles ahead as the league adjusts, but I'm hoping that those will be, um, you know, uh, few and far between and that he will quickly continue uh, his, his march towards stardom in baseball. All right, the other guy I want to talk about is Spencer Strider. And, man, he has been maybe equally as impressive as Michael Harris. Um, it's Spencer Strider. It's crazy strikeout stuff with command, um, particularly since he's made it into the starting rotation. A lot of strikeouts. If you watch Strider, it's 100, it's 99, it's 100 miles an hour, but it's also on the corners. Uh, it's not, you know, you see most guys with that kind of stuff, they'll put the ball either – you know, two feet outside, and then the next pitch will be right down the middle. Uh, and, yeah, the velocity is impressive, but there's very little command. He's got command, and I think that's what makes him really exciting. Uh, his numbers right now, uh, 2.60 ERA and 65 innings pitched uh, with a whip just under one. Uh, just really, really good stuff. Uh, and that whip, he has walked some guys, so it's really about him being unhittable is that whip. Uh, 98th percentile in fastball uh, velocity in baseball, 99th percentile in strikeout rate, 96th percentile in whiff rate, and 91 percentile in uh, ex-wobble, which is expected um, on-base average for the guys that he's facing, uh, which is just telling you that the numbers and you know what's showing up is probably pretty accurate for how good he is. The biggest negative... Um, for Strider is his walk rate. He's in the 29th percentile in walk rate. Uh, I think a lot of that actually was early on um, and a couple of hiccups that he's had both in the bullpen. And, uh, you know, he had one bad start. Uh, I think that was against San Francisco. Uh, but other than that, you know, he has been really dominant. And that whip tells you again that even if he has kind of a high walk rate, he, he's just been unhittable. So there hasn't been a ton of uh, of guys getting on base. He's clearly, you know, we were hoping that some, someone early in the season would just show up and be the, the fifth starter. And honestly, he's taken over the fourth spot. Um, he When he's on the mound, I feel way better about him than I do uh, uh, with Ian Anderson, who's, who's just continued to struggle a little bit this season. Uh, I mentioned this before, but Spencer Strider has a 2.1 wins above replacement 
already for the year. And that is keep in mind with, you know, probably about half of his innings pitch were out of the bullpen early in the year. So, you know, the more of uh, the more starts he can get, if he continues uh, to perform at this level, he's going to be an incredibly important part of the Braves and their rotation. The big question mark with Spencer Strider remaining for this season is, uh, can he hold up for the season? He's never pitched a ton of innings before in college, in the minors. He did, he had a, a short uh, minor league stint last year, and then, of course, this year in the majors, up to 65 innings pitch. How how high can he go, um, you know, particularly throwing the ball 100 miles an hour? Will his arm give out? Will he tire? Will the Braves put him on any kind of innings limit? I hope they don't. I mean, I – I think it might be smart to not let him go too deep into games at certain times. Uh, but, you know, I heard um, Paul Bird on on the Braves broadcast make a, a pretty good point that, you know, he had a lot of experience doing bullpen and starting. And he said, the uh, you know, bullpen can actually be harder on your arm because it's the get up, get down, get up, get down, be in a game for two innings, be in a game the next game for an inning. Um, there's just no consistency and no time to let your arm naturally rest. Uh, as a starter, it's all about routine. You get your arm warm and you're good to go. And so I'm, I'm hoping that actually as a starter, it's going to be better on Strider's arm. Of course, there's no telling. Every guy's different. But the one the one guy I thought about, um, and you guys might remember this, is um, Strasburg with the Nationals. Several years ago, they put him on a pretty strict um, – innings limit and there was one postseason where they actually shut him down and he did not participate and that was big news around baseball um and you know the idea was that he he threw so hard uh that that he and he was young and he needed an innings limit and well ultimately i mean you don't know what would have happened if they'd let him you know keep keep throwing but you know he's he's been early uh injured and and basically out of baseball now i mean he's still he's trying to come back but we'll see if he ever uh, is able to. Uh, he made one start this season, had to shut it back down. So, you know, it, it didn't really work. Is my point. It didn't really work for Strasburg. Um, you know, just the the way that everybody's body is different. Um, maybe it's not easy to make a comparison one guy to the other. I hope that they just monitor Strider and let him go if he's able to go, and um, and we'll see. But you know, if if he were to have to shut it down, that'd be a big issue for the Braves. If they're thinking that they will put him on a limit, then I would expect the Braves to be a little more aggressive during the trade deadline to pick up another starter. Uh, so that might be a clue if they do that of what they plan to do with Strider. All right, guys. Well, you know, the Braves are um, are playing the Mets. Like I mentioned, unfortunately, they they dropped game one, four to one last night. Um, I didn't love how uh, Snicker managed the bullpen last night. The Braves had cut the game to two to one with that Riley home run, um, and then Snicker puts in O'Day in the eighth. Uh, he immediately gives out gives up a solo home run, and it goes back to three one. Uh, Snicker in the ninth puts in Jackson Stevens, gives up another run. It goes to four one, and you just kind of feel like with with Diaz coming out there as the closer. Pretty much game over. So the Braves had a little bit of a rally going in the eighth uh, that that died, but it was with two outs. You know, I I can't I can't be too mad at Snicker. I think that twelve inning twelve inning game that they had with the Nationals uh, the game before uh, really you know hurt their bullpen a little bit just in terms of who was available for game one of the Mets. 
So maybe that was the idea. You're just trying to get through game one and set up game two, two and three really well. So that's probably what was going on there. But it was still with the game in reach. It's it, it's a little frustrating when you see those you know kind of second tier guys coming out of the bullpen. Nonetheless, uh, the Braves it does set up well for them in these last two games. You got Spencer Strider going tonight against Peterson. A little bit about Peterson. He's five and one for the year with a three point four eight ERA. So solid, but not spectacular. The Braves have hit lefties really well this year, so hopefully that will continue, and hopefully Strider will be uh, as dominant as he's been. It'd be great. You know, nothing nothing annoys me more than the Braves losing to the Mets. The Met, there's just something about the Mets, how they carry themselves. I don't know. I mean, obviously, they're a rival, so I, I should be annoyed when we lose to them. But um, it also feels a lot better to beat the Mets than just about any other team. So hopefully we can go out and do that tonight. If the Braves can win the next two games uh, in this series, take this series, then I think it's very likely that they could go into the all-star break tied um, or maybe even up one game in the division. The Braves play three more with the Nationals uh, to end the first half and the Mets play four with the Cubs. Um, so neither of those teams are great, but I could, I could foresee uh, the Mets maybe splitting a four-game series with the Cubs. Maybe the Braves could could sweep the Nationals, and all would be all would be right with the world with the Braves going in to the All Star break up in the division or at least tied. So we'll see how that goes. But obviously they have two games to uh, take care of business against the Mets. Hopefully they can do that, uh, and hopefully it will start tonight with Strider dominating once again. Maybe we'll see Michael Harris uh, after going hitless last night. Maybe he'll he'll do something special tonight as well so all right guys well that's all i've got for you today i hope you have a great one and uh we'll see what the braves do tonight go braves and uh catch you later